morning, we are singing a Latin song. It's called uh, Panis Angelicus, and the meaning of the text is as follows. May the bread of angels become the bread for mankind. God, we ask that you be with us as we worship and lead us to the light that you inhabit. Amen. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 and 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, 
and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. This is God's word to God's people. So we're doing a sermon series on characters of the Old Testament, how they are flawed yet uh, faithful characters, and, and by way of doing this, getting uh, reacquainted to some of our ancestors, but also perhaps uh, having a word of encouragement for us on our own pilgrimage that, that God can actually put us to use as well, though we be flawed. Today we look at Jonah, and he is a real character. And I, and I mean that literally, in that he is a made-up person. He is a, a, a fictionalized person. Um, we look at this as literature in Scripture, yet interestingly, it is in the uh, prophetic section of the Scripture, Jonah called a prophet. So when we hear that stuff, we, we realize that as we read the book of Jonah, that we're not really plumbing uh, a deep theological issue, uh, some nuance of wisdom. We're, we're not looking to gain that, um, as you would from a piece of literature, wisdom literature, a Job kind of a thing. Rather, we're, we're looking at Jonah as a prophetic voice. And so we, we want to try to listen and hear uh, what is the word of God for God's people then and perhaps today. So let me just remind us of the story. Jonah is presented to us in two parts. Uh, the first part is the first two chapters. God commands Jonah to go to uh, Nineveh and to uh, preach a word of uh, repent. Now, Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and the Assyrian Empire is the empire that destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, Judah, and so God is asking in this story Jonah to go to the capital of the empire that conquered them and to preach there for repentance. Jonah says, eh, not inclined to do that, God. Uh, don't want to do that. Um, I am not going to go do that. Matter of fact, I'm going to go 180 degrees the other way. So instead of turning east to Nineveh, he heads west, gets in a boat out into the ocean. God, as you might guess, is uh, a little ticked off by this response from uh, Jonah and stirs up a storm on the Mediterranean Sea. The sailors uh, do the standard practice of figuring out what's going on in those days, which is drawing lots, and they determine that uh, the problem is Jonah. And so they toss Jonah into the sea, the storm subsides, and 
Interestingly, the sailors uh, repent and become people of faith in Jonah's God. Jonah is swallowed by a whale. Um, I don't know if you have memories, but I do, of, of watching Walt Disney, uh, 6 o'clock on the East Coast, um, TV dinners and hands, or, and there was a Jonah thing, right? And, and he had a little living room set up inside the whale, a little nice light and a rocking chair, books. He, it was really a, a, a pretty you know, good turn of events for him. Anyway, in our story here, uh, Jonah sings praises to God um, for, um, I guess, what appeared at that time to be sparing his life, and then the whale vomits Jonah up on the Palestinian coast. So it's interesting to note in this, in this first part of the Jonah story that in spite of himself, in spite of himself, Jonah is a successful missionary in that the sailors repented of their sin and turned into believers of Yahweh. So Jonah, very flawed, very, very flawed, yet used effectively for God's purpose. Now the second part of Jonah's story, it again begins with God saying, all right, Jonah, let's go to Nineveh. And Jonah agrees that he will go and he goes and he preaches and immediately, immediately, the citizens, the king, if my memory is correct, even the animals of Nineveh repent of their sin. Everybody is repenting and God is moved by this and and spares the city. Jonah is moved also, but he's moved to anger And he argues with God about what God is doing. He bickers with God about God being so merciful uh, to the inhabitants of Nineveh. How could you do that? He's saying to God, and God says, well, you know, it's just my way. I'm, I'm this merciful guy. If people repent, if they repent, I can be moved to be merciful. Jonah says, well, I think it stinks I'd just as soon die. And so he climbs up a mountain. He sits on top of it. You can imagine like this probably, right? Waiting, waiting to die. God uses that as a moment, as a teaching moment. And he does something with a bush growing and a bush dying, trying to get Jonah to recognize um, the value of mercy uh, and forgiveness. Uh, Jonah will have none of it. So he, he does not repent of his anger. And the story ends with God asking rhetorically, can you believe this guy? He would have me not be merciful. What is it with this? Why is being merciful, why is my being merciful a problem? That's basically how the the story ends. So so it ends again, interestingly, with uh, another takeaway, which is in spite of himself, Jonah saves the city. Jonah is put to God's work, saving the city. So I don't think he really fits all that well into our sermon series of flawed yet faithful, because he's pretty much flawed, eh, not very faithful, but used effectively by God for God's purposes. 
So when we, when we think about Jonah, there's, there's typically uh, two ways by which to approach it and to make some sense of, of what we are to uh, take away from the book of Jonah. And one is in the larger kind of macro corporate vision of what is going on where the prophet is speaking uh, to the people of Israel because Jonah speaking to Nineveh is the way by which God is speaking to Israel through the mouth of Jonah. This is thought of as the primary intent of the book. Jonah calling the Israelites to repentance and reminding them of their mission to preach to the nations the wideness, the wideness of God's mercy, the extents of God's forgiveness. Divine love extends beyond any covenant. The prophet is calling Israel to repentance, calling Israel to recognize this broader mission and to act upon it, rather than thinking that they possess this covenant, that they possess God just for themselves. So you want to remember that Jonah is being written during the exilic period. It's being written after Babylon conquered Jerusalem and everyone was put into exile. So you have the authors of Jonah writing in that context to the people who are exiled into this foreign land with foreign religions, foreign customs, foreign language. All of this is not my place at home is how they're feeling, right? And the prophet is saying, hey, wake up, repent. God is with you still and God expects you to live up to what God wants you to be. It's an interesting call to mission since they no longer have the temple. They no longer have their homeland. They're at a disadvantage, you might say. Their, their sense of identity has been threatened. They're trying to figure out, you know, well, who are we now if we don't have all of this stuff? And the prophet is saying you're God's people still with a purpose on behalf of God. In the Psalms, you have the lament, how can we sing our songs to God in a, at the uh, edge of a river in a foreign land, right? And Jonah is saying, sing. You need to sing. You need to sing out about God. Jonah serves as a reminder that God has a word for all people. And while the Jews no longer had their kingdom, they still had their mission, and they were being held accountable to be faithful to it. It's as if the book is saying, come on, people. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this still. God is counting on us to be faithful people, to extend God's love, to nurture faith, to share mercy and forgiveness. Buck up! Get to it. (laughs) 
So when we think about how to make sense of Jonah, we might think of it from this larger view, which uh, is the traditional way of looking at it, that the prophet is speaking to the people of Israel, saying, even though you suffered all of this stuff, repent, be restored, be effective for God. Do what God would have you do. The second way of looking at the book of Jonah is to look at it at a more uh, focused perspective, and that is dealing with Jonah, a person and his or her relationship with God. God says go. Jonah says no. God says not a good choice. I would prefer a different answer. I used to characterize my time out of ministry, which happened in, when was it, the late 20s, mid-20s, late 20s? I used to characterize, and I, I think it's a good way, I characterized that as my Jonah period because I had, I had felt a call to ministry, but I just had, had lost that sense of conviction of how it was going to be lived out. So I wasn't quite exactly like Jonah, but I was stepping away and, and into a wilderness uh, for a while before I... Uh, discerned that it was parish ministry for me and, and uh, felt a clearer resolve to that call. So in some ways I felt like, especially during that time, I felt like I was turning from what God was asking, what I thought God was asking me to do. You might have an experience in your life that would line up with what I've just described. Maybe there, there was a, a definite time when you felt, felt kind of sure God was leading in a certain direction and you chose not to follow it for one reason or another. Maybe you can identify a, a period of time, a moment like that, like I can. Or maybe, maybe it's just been kind of a general ongoing focus in, focus out, focus in, focus out kind of pilgrimage of your life where you are kind of saying to God, you know, I, I get a lot of what you're saying, but this, this other stuff is too much for me. You know, I, I, I like this part of the faith part, but I'm not so sure about this other part and if you don't mind I'll just as soon stay over here and kind of be like this kind of a person of faith maybe that is kind of how you are one way or another we seem to have a tendency to get in God's way and to say no a tad bit too often to God's will Now, the way I experienced it, and I would uh, share it with you, that I, I, I liken what God does, uh, kind of similar to what the, uh, um, the cowboy in the movie or the, uh, or the cop from uh, New York in the movie where they say, yo, this can go two ways. This can go two ways. We can do it the hard way, or we can do it the easy way. How do you want it to be? Because we're doing it. <laughs> God kind of does that. I, I, I kind of felt God exerted God's will 
and said to Walt, how do you want to do this? You want to suffer in the wilderness for a little longer? That's all right. That's cool. We'll do that. But we're, we're going. We got a thing to do. Or do you want to uh, be in partnership with me? Co-op- you want to cooperate with me a little bit and it'd be a easier transition to doing the right thing. God has a way of manifesting God's self of one way or another seeing that God's purposes get fulfilled. And it might be with our help or without our help. You know, some people say, oh, the denomination is in trouble. Who knows what's going to happen with the decisions made this year? And others say, it's going to be what it's going to be. But it's not going to interfere with what God's doing. God's purposes will be fulfilled. It's a good idea that we're mindful of that. Do you want to make it hard or do you want to make it easy? Those of us who try to cooperate with God find that that's the easier way to go about it. We'd recommend it. This looking at Jonah has to do with whether Jonah is going to be a willing participant, a partner with God, or whether Jonah is going to obstruct and try to get in God's way, though that be an unsuccessful approach. What we also notice when we're looking at this specifically focused at Jonah, we also notice that Jonah is very much caught up in himself and his, his attitudes, his prejudices, I would say. It's as if the book of Jonah is saying, you know, it's one thing for God to use me to call Israel to repentance. It's quite another thing for God to use me to extend God's mercy to non-Jews. The Assyrians are hated conquerors. How could God's mercy extend even to them. So I don't know in our lives who the them would be, but chances are we've got some thems that we plug in to that sentence when we make it our own. Are there people that we think are actually beyond the circle of God's grace? Do we have prejudices that create blind spots as we look to embrace God's mission of spreading God's love? Why would we allow ourselves to think that God's merciful love is only for us? The book of Jonah says, draw your circle a little wider. Bring people in, don't push them out. 
don't, don't dare to limit God's mercy and love. You're supposed to conform to God. God is not supposed to conform to us. God is God. And God is not restricted by us and by our attitudes, likes, dislikes, or prejudices. And the book of Jonah kind of lifts that up for us if we do the little sleight of hand of putting ourselves in the Jonah character. Recognizing honestly that there are flaws that we have that perhaps get in the way of embodying God's love as well as we should. So here again, God beckoning God's people. He's saying, my children, my children, this is going to happen. I'm going to be spreading my love and mercy around this globe. And you can help me, or you can try to get out of the way, but it's going to happen. Do you want to make it easy, or do you want to make it hard? Though flawed, maybe, maybe flawed a little bit like Jonah, let us decide to do our best to be as faithful as we possibly can to the dawning light of God in our lives and in our generation so that we can be as effective as possible for God with where God is going. And in the meantime, be a little happier because we're working with rather than against God's purposes. So hear God's voice. Respond to God's voice. Get up and go willingly for God's purposes. Amen.